Hi everyone, this is Peter Shellard here, the Shrink for Entrepreneurs and also founder of Commit Action. You're listening to the Conversion Aid Podcast. Welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast, where we help software entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. Each week, we interview proven industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you create software that sells. Here's your host, Omer Khan. Hey everyone, welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the podcast for software entrepreneurs and companies who want to grow their business to the next level and create software that sells. Today's guest is Peter Shallard. Peter is known as the shrink for entrepreneurs. He's a renowned business psychology expert and therapist. He works with all types of entrepreneurs around the world and helps them get measurable results. He's also the founder of CommitAction.com, a service that pairs accountability coaching with cutting-edge digital productivity tracking tools. In this episode, we talk about how Peter discovered his superpower and became the shrink for entrepreneurs, how he's helping entrepreneurs get measurable results with their own businesses, how you can leverage the latest in neuroscience to improve your productivity, and a simple but powerful technique to improve your chances of getting things done. Now, remember, if you'd like to stay in touch, then join the Conversion Aid community. You'll get notified of new episodes right in your inbox, and it's a great way to, to learn key strategies and insights from proven successful software entrepreneurs. Just go to conversionaid.com slash VIP, and I'll see you on the other side. And with that, let's bring on Peter. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I gave the audience a brief overview of your product and business, but tell us a little bit more about yourself personally. Who is Peter when he's not working? When I'm not working, uh, well, I'm a New Zealander living, I'm a transplant expat living in Manhattan. Um, so that's, that's a big part of my identity. I, spend, I try to spend lots of time uh, finding the outdoors, which I miss massively. It's the one sort of downside of not being in New Zealand anymore. Um, so I try and get out and do a bunch of fun stuff, whether it's uh, playing Frisbee with my friends. It just came to springtime here, so we're doing a bit of that out in the parks and that sort of stuff. Or uh, I'm, actually a, uh, I'm actually a fiend for good restaurants as well, which is why it's one of the reasons I love living in New York. So I spend a fair bit of time, more time than I should, uh, eating out and kind of having fun with, with friends and, and good, good people uh, in those spaces. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, I get up to that, uh, play a lot of games. I'm actually going to, I'm going to go and play tennis right after this interview with an entrepreneurial buddy of mine. We're going to play, uh, play hooky from our businesses and go (laughs) grab a tennis court in the middle of the day when nobody else is doing it. So, and you mentioned it was like 85 degrees out there today. That sounds awesome. It's stinking hot. My air conditioning is broken. Um, because this is really the, I think, the second really hot day of the spring. And uh, the only obstacle to this interview being totally awesome is the possibility of an AC repair guy showing up at some point. <laughs> but hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully I just keep sweating it out and uh, it'll be good. You, you know, I miss that, the, the big city life. And, you know, being in Manhattan at this time of year is, is great. And, you know, I, I grew up in London and spent most of my life out there. And it was just amazing to just have all of that stuff on your doorstep and restaurants and nightlife and everything. And and then I moved to the Seattle area about 10 years ago. And in fact, I'm about, I guess, 10 miles east of Seattle in a very 
family-oriented suburb where there's not a lot of options <laughs> compared to New York and London. But uh, Yeah, that's what I, I love. The, I mean, I came from a, you know, I actually grew up in the biggest city, sort of right in the center of the biggest city in New Zealand. So I've always been pretty metropolitan, but I love New York for all of those reasons. Exactly. It's, it's really fun to be in this. I like the hustle and bustle. Some people, I think you either love it or you hate it. You know, some people go outside in New York and get, feel oppressed by just the energy and the madness and the chaos and other people get like lifted up by it. And I'm in the, I'm in the latter group. Now we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. Do you have a favorite quote that drives and motivates you? Hmm. A favorite quote that drives and motivates me. Um, since we were talking about personal life stuff, you know, this isn't so much a business thing, but it's something I think about just philosophically in terms of how I live my life. I love this, uh, uh, Henry David Thoreau quote, how vain is it to sit down to write when you have not stood up to live? Um, and I used to, I'm not a writer, but I used to, I, you know, I do, I do a bit of blogging for, for, you know, as the shrink for entrepreneurs, but I think, uh, I think that you can substitute the word right for almost anything in there, uh, whether it's building a business or getting up to, you know, any kind of ultra creative pursuit. I, I like, uh, I like the reminder to actually get out there and experience and learn and, and then have something to contribute based on, based on that. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. And I think you can apply it to a lot of things. For, for me personally, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, I have two kids who are uh, six and nine, and I used to find myself like all the time I'd have like, you know, my camera out and, you know, my iPhone and I'd be taking like videos and photos and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and some at one point I realized it's like, you know, you, you're kind of doing, spending so much time doing that, that you're not actually being present and enjoying the, the moment with them. Yeah, like kind I of think more ob- there is a there is a good message about presence in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's um, start by giving our listeners a better understanding of your business. Um, who who are your target customers, um, and what what are the main problems that you're trying to solve for them? Yeah, so there's there's sort of two categories to what it is that I do. As the shrink for entrepreneurs, I've spent the last decade. Uh, in basically a one-on-one consulting practice as a therapist and a consultant working with the founders of companies, uh, entrepreneurs and of all shapes and sizes all around the world. And, um, you know, those people are, for the most part, I, I'm lucky enough to say that these days they're very successful people who are dealing with a menagerie of first world problems um, that are nevertheless problems you know, they're, they're very real things that they want to struggle with. So whether it's the client who's, you know, successfully built and exited, uh, you know, sold a company and is now trapped with analysis paralysis and fear about what to do next and whether or not they'll be able to live up to that initial success or somebody who's looking to really get clear on their purpose and how they can be more fulfilled, you know, that they might have pursued a lot of business success but found that even that has left them feeling wanting or lacking, you know, or, or empty in some way. I, I have trouble answering this question. It's one that everybody answers, uh, asks me, sorry, because I, I really do think that, that my clients that I work with are sort of unique, beautiful snowflakes, that all of their, 
all of their issues are, you know, usually a bit different. Um, there's a lot of different stuff that entrepreneurs kind of have come up against. But I think the theme to it is that usually they're folks who have identified that there's something about their thinking or behavior that is incongruent where they're unconsciously acting in a way that they're consciously, like their conscious, rational kind of ego, ego self, that part of their mind is dissatisfied with and also sees it as, as sabotaging their efforts in some way. So they're reaching towards something, they're striving towards a goal and business or whatever it is, but there's something about what they're doing that they think, that doesn't make any sense. Why am I doing this? Why am I holding myself back in that way? And so that's usually what causes folks to reach out and start to work with me. And, uh, you know, through the course of our relationship, some of my oldest clients will touch on every aspect of the existential void. We'll explore philosophy, ways to think, ways to live, you know, management, leadership techniques, uh, we sometimes get caught up in marketing strategy conversations where we dig deep into the psychology of their customers. And so, you know, the, the thing that I really love about my job is the incredible variety, you know, across my consulting schedule throughout the week. I'll literally talk about absolutely every conceivable facet of business psychology you could ever imagine. So tricky question to answer that one. Now, how did you become the, the shrink for entrepreneurs? Yeah, so it's a good question. I started out, my first business was a therapy practice working with regular people, with what I call civilians. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was funny because I, for a long time, I sort of identified as a therapist. Like, I, this is what I do. I was really passionate about psychology. And I wanted to run my own business, but that was about it. That was sort of where my thinking stopped, is that I knew... No one was going to hire me, um, and this is back in New Zealand. Like There weren't sort of jobs available for people who wanted to do coaching and therapy and that kind of stuff. So I had to do my own thing, and I basically, you know, the sophistication of my commercial mind was like, okay, well, I'll get people to pay me, and then that'll be okay. And I sort of believed that by being the very best therapist that I could be, that I would get, that clients would somehow find out about this and just come and beat down the door to my office and, and, and book in to work with me. And, um, you know, any entrepreneur who's been in a service delivery business or really any entrepreneur who's listening to this will know that's not how it works. So I made the mistake of focusing on, on nothing but the craft itself, uh, opening up an office, sitting there and staring at the phone, waiting for it to ring, twiddling my thumbs with no clients. And that was, you know, once that lesson kind of really made itself felt, I started looking into how do I make the business work? And I very quickly figured out there's a whole bunch of learning curves that I need to go, uh, you know, figure out. The first of which were kind of sales and marketing. How do I find strangers and turn them into customers? So that began a sort of uh, parallel journey for me as I was kind of working on the psychology stuff and working with, you know, a few clients. I started becoming really, really interested in this idea of entrepreneurship and. I got caught up in that whole world. And, um, and then the two bridged. And honestly, it was really by accident. I had a client come in and work with me who was an entrepreneur themselves. And they were there to see me for a flying phobia that was holding them back in their business, that they were incredibly frustrated about it. Um, and an incredible thing happened. They were you know, absolutely unique in my experience at the time because a lot of my other clients would come in with these various problems they were feeling victimized by and 
kind of whine about them a lot and that's part of what therapy is and I would try to support it and I was excited to be that pillar for them that they could lean on. But this guy came in and was like, I just need the solution. Give me the tactical how-to and I gave it to him. You know, phobias don't have to be difficult and he picked it up and ran with it and then came back like two weeks later and was like, okay, done. Here's the next problem. I want to fix this. And there was just this pragmatism and this ruthlessness about kind of getting access to tactical resources that could help him take his business to the next level that he was very, very like he was just unlike any client I had ever had before. And it just, it was, it was just a night and day difference. I got really excited about it. He referred a couple of people um, and I started working with more and more entrepreneurs. You know, a couple of other things happened. I'm cutting a long story short. I got into some corporate consulting uh, where I was actually providing some executive coaching for these entrepreneurial characters in some companies in you know, Australasia, Southeast Asia, um, that sort of evolved from that over a couple of years. And uh, one day I kind of woke up and looked at my schedule and realized that every single person on the roster for that week was, you know, that I was working with was a business owner and um, that this is what I did now. Now, I didn't really have a word for it at that point. I didn't identify as the shrink for entrepreneurs and that's a whole other story how I got to that but there was this there was a definitive moment when I realized I think this is what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to work with these people in business and help them with this the intersection of the the thinking the psychology and the commercial side of what they're doing and uh, it was just a hell of a lot more fun to be totally honest I I don't want to you know I think that therapy with with the people out there who are in a lot of pain is a real calling for some people but I tried it out and I just have a I really get a lot more out of uh, helping these people go from kind of good to even better than helping people who are really, you know, really broken get back to normal again. Now, you don't just uh, help people with phobias and and fears and things like that. There's also a component around helping entrepreneurs tackle challenges they have maybe around sales and marketing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was just this one example. Like back when I was running just a therapy practice that sort of had my shingle out for all sorts of anxiety disorders and that kind of stuff, I got that one first entrepreneurial client because he had that problem. But you're right. These days, you know, I'm mainly working with people who feel, you know, who have a, who have identified a psychological limitation inside of themselves that's preventing them from you know, being the best possible salesperson inside of their startup when it's, you know, a very small company and they need to be the person driving customer acquisition. Or maybe it's like a problem, a communication problem that they're sort of manifesting all sorts of issues with their staff and they need to iron out some kinks about their personality and become a better leader. So there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff like that that now is kind of the 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 bread and butter of my work. Yeah. What's the most common um, issue that clients come to you with? <laughs> this is a, yeah, so this is the question everyone asks, right? This is a, sort of a, a variation on what you asked me before. And yeah, really, I'm just working it from a different angle. <laughs> I know that I know what you're, where you're trying to go. You know, there really, there really isn't one, like to answer the question, I just have to get very meta and say that, you know, there's those uh, fire engines I told you about that as a result of our wide open window, sorry about the noise. Um, the, uh, yeah, there's, I have to get kind of meta and say that it's really when there's somebody who is running a business and they've figured out that what they consciously want with their conscious kind of self-aware mind 
is different to what they seem to be unconsciously motivated towards. And so the incongruence between those two parts of the mind causes all kinds of problems. Maybe it's just a lack of motivation. They feel like they just can't make themselves do anything. There's lots of other ways self-sabotage can manifest. But at a general level, that's the sort of, that's the problem with most, most people who come to work with me. There's, there's this incongruence issue that they're sort of tugging themselves in two different directions. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you've, you've been building the, the, I guess, the consulting therapy practice for a while. And then uh, recently you launched uh, commitaction.com. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what that site helps entrepreneurs with? Yeah, so Commit Action is uh, like personal training for productivity. Um, we literally pair up a, a human uh, accountability coach, an expert, like a ninja in personal productivity. And, um, it's a, and we basically have that person phone out to you every single week and be like a concierge who provides a white glove goal setting service so that you're setting seven day, like weekly kind of rolling implementation goals on the most important plans that you have uh, for your business and making, and then there's someone holding you accountable to actually execute on those who's going to check in with you seven days later and see what did you actually get done. Um, and the reason we built this is that, you know, there's all these crazy statistics coming out around, you know, how technology is enabling people to live just vastly different lives when it comes to their work and particularly running businesses. You know, in the last 20 years, we've seen this revolution happen where it's now possible for someone to run their own company and make a phenomenal full-time living, literally on their laptop in a basement wearing, wearing PJs. And um, it's a very different psychological landscape, and it's not something that evolutionarily speaking we're very prepared for. Um, it's very difficult to get top-level performance out of ourselves when we're working freelance, we're working from home, we're running our own business, we're isolated in a way that humans are just never have been really previously and we're just not used to. And in that environment, procrastination, self-sabotage and overwhelm can be, you know, absolutely rife. We can drown in those things. So we've built this, uh, this service to basically come in and solve that problem and, and give somebody a kind of a life boy of, you know, accountability, like a, a rope that they can hold on to and pull themselves out of that, that whirlpool if they get stuck in it. Um, and, uh, you know, by I think by 2020, there's supposed to be like some 40% of the white-collar workforce in the U.S. is supposed to be freelance or something. There's some statistic I've heard a few people throw around about that. And, uh, and that is really the problem that we're trying to solve is that the, the side effect of that happening is this phenomenal isolation which has a really detrimental effect on an individual's productivity and ability to succeed. Yeah, um, I spent most of my career working in, you know, large enterprises. I was at Microsoft for fourteen years, and in many ways, um, life was a lot easier because you had people around you. You had. Um, you know deadlines, um, and I guess you knew you knew what you needed to get done. And then when I left and you know started my own thing, I guess late last year, I, I just realized how difficult it is to stay focused and get things done mm. when you're on your own, 
right? right on. I mean, that that's exactly, you know, the, the thing that we, you know, tell people is that like an entrepreneur, I mean, especially a corporate employee, but even an entrepreneur in like a more traditional business that might have started anywhere from 20 to 50 to 100 years ago, uh, you know, for better or for worse, they're they're in this web of accountability that's built in, you know, like, and, and we, and this is even true of really successful entrepreneurs today. Like a lot of, I'm sure a lot of your audience would love to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. And they think that that guy is really effective and must have a great productivity habits and be incredibly leveraged with the work that he does. But the reality is, is that these entrepreneurial rock stars that we look up to, and certainly every entrepreneur in all of human history have got this web of accountability where there's investors above them, there's you know partners and vendors and people to the sides of them, there's this whole huge pyramid of staff below them. And they're kind of in the middle of that, reactively working with all of those people and helping them get what they need and delivering reports of results to various stakeholders and so on and so forth. So they're kind of in a place where you know they don't actually have to use a huge amount of willpower to make themselves do work. They just show up and, you know, the, that kind of safety net of accountability puts them where they need to be, elevates them into the state, the kind of mental state they need to be in, and then they get it done. You know, and, and it's very different to, you know, my life as an entrepreneur and, and certainly a lot of my clients and, and all of the people we work with at Commit Action. Like I wake up on Monday morning and I work from home most of the time. I can go down and sit at my desk and I can spend the first five hours of the day on Facebook or watching Netflix, or I can use those five hours to to get phenomenally, you know, important, highly leveraged work done that's going to really move the dial forward on my business. And the point is, what makes sure that I do the latter and not the former? You know, certainly no one knows, right? Like my my fiance has no idea what I'm doing with those few hours on Monday morning. There's no boss that I'm that that I'm accountable to who's making sure that I have the report on his desk by the end of the day or anything like that. Um, I've got a bunch of staff, but they're all in different places and they're not kind of keeping an eye on me or demanding too much of me or anything like that because of the way that the company is built. You know, we leverage a lot of technology so that we don't have to constantly be interacting all the time every couple of minutes. So it's just this very, very different environment. And, um, and that's why we've built this thing is that we're helping people, you know, bring back an aspect of the, the positive side of human support and accountability. So, you know, we can start building a weekly ritual of checking in, having that objective external source who are holding you accountable and, and really holding you, you know, having an expectation that you're going to show up as the best version of yourself throughout the week and, and commit to actually getting some stuff done. So that's that's the you know, the mission that we're on is to really rid the world of procrastination and help all of these people who are dreaming of entrepreneurship actually take action on their, their goals and their dreams and get concrete results instead of just sitting with a lot of great intentions but never any actual tangible result. Now, on your uh, on the commitaction.com homepage, um, I, I was just looking at that and it says if you're someone who has hundreds of incredible ideas but get stuck actually doing them, um, has tried everything to stay motivated but still struggle to finish or even get started, uh, already invested a ton of time and money in yourself but nothing seems to work, then you're suffering from procrastination and it has sunk, it has its claws sunk deep inside you. 
Mm. Now, that resonates with me. I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people listening to this. Um, and, you know, kind of a typical experience for me would be, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I can get super creative, have literally have hundreds of ideas, um, and then get really excited about them and then kind of go through the stage where you get to the point where it's like, oh, my God, I don't possibly have the time to do all of these things and I can't figure out which of these things I should get started on. So maybe I'll go and watch Netflix instead, yeah. right? Exactly. So, um, but it's not just about accountability, right? It's not just about using commit action and saying, okay, I'm going to get these things done. There's, there's some neuroscience behind this as well, isn't there? Yeah, so we're um, we're actually fortunate enough to have kind of paired up with a few really solid uh, academics in the space um, around the who have helped us develop the methodology around the actual coaching that the coaches do and in these weekly kind of check-in phone calls. Uh, one of the guys we work with is a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He's a very passionate uh, neuroscience researcher, um, and, and he's passionate about. Uh, human behavior change and particularly this whole idea of uh, and this is an interesting topic for your you know for what you got you're doing and your audience are interested in this idea of you know can you drive human behavior change with software and um, the the kind of current theory is that basically you can't that human behavior is going to do what it will software can augment and enhance it like if you're already doing something and someone designs a tool to help you do it better that that tool will be useful. People will pick it up and run with it and keep on using it if it's good and useful and, and augments that process. But we have this whole other thing that we're trying to do, which is actually make people more productive. By definition, we're helping people get something done that they otherwise wouldn't have if we weren't there, which is why we're focusing on the, hu- on, you know, on the human-powered side of, of, of the, the relationship. So that's what kind of where we've, we've got this... Uh, we've had this interaction with some of these incredible academics um, because they're excited about what we're doing and also the scale at which we're doing it. At this point, we've had thousands of entrepreneurs work with our coaches um, and, and it's starting to become sort of statistically significant because we're making just oodles and oodles of phone calls out to these people every single week. We're setting goals with them. We've got some meta kind of metrics in place where we track uh, for example, you know, how many out of the, the commitments that, that they make every week, how many are actually getting followed through on seven days later. And so it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting place to kind of play if that's something that you're interested in. And we get a lot of, uh, we get a lot of kind of tactical insights from working with these people. Like one of, the, uh, one of the biggest things has been this idea of implementation intentions, which came straight from this guy at Harvard who, who's on our advisory board. Um, and I don't want to, you know, get too in the weeds nerding out about kind of the psychology of effect, you know, productivity. But basically, there's been a lot of really solid research uh, done around this idea that when somebody thinks through the implementation uh, steps of a particular task that they want to focus on, something difficult that they would otherwise procrastinate, that when they kind of create almost a decision-making tree, like a logical if-slash-then type thought process around that task, 
that it's going to increase the likelihood that they do it by like upwards of 40%. So what I, I that's very, very hard to explain, uh, but a, an example makes it work, right? Like if my, if my goal is to make 10 cold calls for my B2B uh, software business that I'm starting up, let's say, uh, if I say, okay, that's my goal, and I sit down and, do, and I sort of think, okay, I'm going to do that sometime this week, pretty unlikely that that'll actually get done if it's something I've got a lot of internal resistance around that I've been procrastinating for a while. But if I build implementation intentions around it, if I say to myself, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I don't feel like doing it, then I'm going to go for a run and listen to exciting music and try and get myself pumped up and in the mood to make the sales calls. And uh, if I pick up the phone and it doesn't connect or I get stuck on voicemail, then I'm going to make a note to, you know, get back to them and try again that afternoon. And if I get the jitters and feel nervous, then I'll watch an you know, inspirational TED talk for 20 minutes so I can find my mojo and then I'll pick up the phone, you know, and if they answer in a hostile, I'll remind myself, then I'll remind myself that I have to hear no a lot of times before I hear a yes and so on and so forth. And so by thinking through these if-then scenarios, there's, you know, it's actually proven that people will vastly increase their follow-through and the chances that they'll execute in a timely manner on whatever the intention was. So, our our principle, our sort of what we believe in is that everything that our coaches do with our clients has to be scientifically validated. We're not in the business of selling kind of pop psychology and kind of frou-frou, you know, human potential movement stuff. We don't ask our clients to find their spirit guardian animal and wish upon a star to get this stuff done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, you know, we, we try and use real science and there's a lot of exciting, you know, research being done in the space and, and, and when you implement the stuff, it really works. So it's a, it's a, it's a good time. Okay. So I, I like this idea of implementation intentions. So it sounds like if I was going to go and apply that myself, um, to whatever goal I had in mind, um, what would I do? Would I start to first of all think about maybe the steps that I need to take to accomplish that goal and then maybe make a list of potential hurdles or problems that I may hit along the way and then sort of apply these sort of if-then statements to each one of those? Yeah, exactly. It's it's basically thinking through, you know, and you can see intuitively how it works. It's 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 literally thinking through like what are the obstacles that you might face with that intention and being mindful about those and then mentally preparing yourself, you know, for what your sort of auxiliary plan of action is going to be if you don't uh if you don't do that kind of thing. Like if you if you hit one of those obstacles and you you end up in that place and the more if then statements you kind of have that you've thought through that that like the more likely you are to actually get that thing done. Now, if someone is listening to this and they're struggling with procrastination, is is there is there hope for them? Is there a way for them to to beat this on their own or based on your experience does having some kind of accountability partner or a coach um, really offer the best way for them to to get get past this? 
I mean, I, I have to say that working with you know someone like like what we do is the best way to do it. Yes, it is possible to do on your own. I think, I mean, obviously, because every entrepreneur who's succeeded in the whole history of mankind hasn't had a commit action coach. We've only been around for the last like two years, <laughs> so uh, you know, so those people have all succeeded, you know, despite that. But I think that you know what's worth recognizing is that if you're building a business on your own, you're, you know, on your laptop and you're not, you're really in that state of isolation, that that is from a historical point of view, like absolutely brand spanking new. And it is not something that our brains are ready for. Like our parents did not grow up in a world where that was remotely possible. Our grandparents and great grandparents certainly couldn't even imagine like building a full a business and a full time income where you never actually meet with a staff member or you rarely even meet with a staff member or or even just doing that from your own home, um, that that's a brand new position to to find ourselves in, and I think that we need to think carefully about you know how best to support ourselves in that situation. So if, you know, new problems require new tools, and that's what we've created here. Okay, so you know if you're struggling with procrastination, check out commitaction.com, or I would say you know at the very least find somebody that you can share what you're doing and and try to get some level of accountability for what you do. That may not get the same level of results as as working with with your coaches, but it sounds like having some accountability is better than trying to do it all on your own. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's something you can learn about. I mean, you can come to our website and sign up for our video training series, which is totally free and we'll teach you all, like everything that we know about building, you know, about how to build all of this stuff into your life. And you can go out and do it on your own. I think every entrepreneur should be doing that, like looking for how can they stack as many layers of accountability as possible into their life? Can they be working with, you know, a friend who's an entrepreneur and checking in with them on progress updates, even if they're not a business partner? You know, can they be setting up a mastermind group? And uh, we, we think that you should be doing that no matter what. We encourage our clients to do the same because accountability gets stronger, you know, the more layers of it that exist. And uh, yeah, so that, that stuff really helps as well. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Peter Shallard. Uh, you can get to the show notes for this interview by going to conversionaid.com slash 69, where you'll find all the links and resources that we discussed today. If you'd like to stay in touch, then join the ConversionAid community. You'll get notified of new episodes right in your inbox, and it's a great way to learn key strategies and insights from proven successful software entrepreneurs. Just go to conversionaid.com slash VIP, and I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Conversion Aid, the podcast that shows you how to take your business to the next level and create software that sells. But things don't have to end here. Head over to conversionaid.com slash VIP and get yourself on the free VIP list where we share special insider content and news about upcoming episodes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.